Thank you for downloading the weekly sermon from Trinity Reformed Church in Bloomington, Indiana. To find more great content, please check out our website at trinityreformed.org. Enjoy the sermon. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. This is the Word of God, and it is eternally true. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Here and there, scattered around us quietly, are godly men and women who are living lives of faithfulness. Since godliness and pride are mutually exclusive, we usually don't hear stories told about these people. We discover them by accident. They never go around announcing their own importance, and they don't go around announcing their own virtues. And they don't go around proclaiming their humility. They are quietly content to live humbly in God's presence, looking to heaven and life eternal for their true home. The world often thinks of them as dull, as drab. The world says they don't have any drive. The world says that they lack ambition. These souls don't wear lots of makeup, and they certainly don't sport fancy-mancy haircuts. There he goes about hair again. Their appearance... The things that clothe them are their good works. It is their humble and quiet spirit that makes them beautiful. And for these things, they have the approval of God. To see their godliness, you have to catch them unawares. You have to surprise them. It's kind of like spotting a buck in deer season. 
And if you manage to see them, don't startle them. Don't startle her with lots of talk and noise because she has a deep-seated aversion to noise. She doesn't want recognition from anyone other than her Father in Heaven whom she loves. She often lives in poverty. She's rarely completed much schooling. Usually, she lives and dies in the same place where she was born. She only takes trips out of necessity. She doesn't have the itch to travel. About the only mark she leaves on God's green earth when she dies is the lives that she has touched with her deeds of mercy. Many is the cup of cold water that she has given in the name of her Savior Jesus. If she has any inscription on her tombstone beyond her name and dates of birth and death, it's usually something simple like she went about doing good until the Lord called her home. Down in the old colonial cemetery in Savannah, Georgia, Mary Jane Green is buried, and this is her epitaph. It says, Mary Jane Green, to the stranger, her virtues cannot be known. To her friends, her memory is her best epitaph. Well, we have no tombstone for Mary, the mother of Jesus. We have no tombstone, no epitaph, other than the words of Scripture, which quietly and without fuss tell us this blessed virgin was the one chosen by God to bear his son in her womb. This is Mary, and the Bible commands us to call her blessed. All generations will call her blessed. We don't need to believe the false doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church about the Blessed Virgin Mary to exclaim over the tender scene we see as we read here the Gospel of Luke's account of this woman. According to verse 26 of our text, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. From this verse, we know that John the Baptist was six months old within the womb of his mother at this time. Because two verses earlier in verse 24, it says, After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months. So then a few sentences later, it says, Now in the sixth month. So it's not this, you know, June. It's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. We also know that it was the angel Gabriel who made the announcement because it says the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth. The word angel in Greek simply means messenger. And so angels in Scripture are God's messengers, and God sent his messenger named Gabriel to Mary. And Gabriel is one of only two angels mentioned in Scripture. The other one is named Michael. Michael is one of the seven archangels. He's the one who fights for God and defends the people of God. And Michael is mentioned twice in the New Testament and several times in the Old Testament. Um, I'll read you the two New Testament times. In Jude, the ninth verse, it says, But Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses. So you remember that you men that memorized Jude a number of years ago. And then in Revelation 12, 7, it says, and there was war in heaven. 
Michael and his archangels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. And so in Daniel also we see that Michael is the one who fights for God and who defends the people of God. Then Gabriel is the angel sent to interpret Daniel's vision in Daniel chapter 8. And then some men of the word also think Gabriel is the angel referred to in Daniel 10. And I want to read this extended passage because it will give you a clue about what Mary is feeling when the angel shows up with her, all right? Think of Daniel. Think of his high position, uh, his courage, his faith. Think, Think of Daniel and listen to this. Daniel writes, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen whose waist was girded with a belt of pure gold of Uphaz. His body also was like beryl. His face had the appearance of lightning. His eyes were like flaming torches. His arms and feet felt like the gleam of polished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a tumult. Now I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. So he's the only one that sees this stuff. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide themselves. So the other people there didn't even see him. And they ran away. They had such feelings of dread that they ran away and hid themselves. So I, Daniel says, was left alone and saw this great vision, yet no strength was left in me. For my natural color turned to a deathly power, and I retained no strength. But I heard the sound of his words, and as soon as I heard the sound of his words, I fell into a deep sleep on my face with my face to the ground. Then behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said to me, O Daniel, man of high esteem, understand the words that I am about to tell you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up, trembling. Then he said to me, do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to your words. So the people there that didn't even see him ran away in dread and hid themselves. And when Daniel was commanded not to be afraid, told to stand up, he stood up trembling, We remember from Pastor Killingsworth's sermon last week that it was Gabriel who announced his wife's pregnancy with Jesus' forerunner, John the Baptist, to the priest Zacharias. Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. Then the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel. I'd like to see Hollywood try to reproduce that. I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Isn't Rudy, isn't Rudy over in 
whatchamacallit now? Rudy has been sent over by, by uh, what's his face? Right? Rudy's over, what's the name of that country that everybody's talking about? Huh? Yeah, Ukraine. Yeah, isn't Rudy over in, you know? Yeah, yeah, Rudy's over in Ukraine. Representing what's-his-face. Well, listen. Imagine. I. I am Gabriel. And I come here from the presence of God. He sent me. Last week after Jody preached, Mary Lee said, Something to the effect that, man, I get such a kick out of that verse. I mean, you talk about uh, relegation. You know, can you imagine Zacharias? I'll bet he wished he was a small mouth frog. Oh. You know, I think probably a lot of us think that we would love to see an angel. We wouldn't. All of a sudden, the, all the pomp and circumstance that this world has would look like Cheetos. Because we would see. I mean, do you remember when Moses, who was a man, angels aren't men. I mean, they're male. That's clear from Scripture, but they're not men. Can you imagine? When Moses simply was in the presence of God, do you remember the people couldn't stand to have his face? They said, veil yourself. We cannot bear the glory that shines out of your face. We can't bear it, you know? And this is the angel that appears to Mary. And you remember what Mary is like. You know, one of the things um, to be aware of is that back at that time, Palestine had three provinces, three territories, okay? And so you had, you had Galilee and you had Samaria in the north. And we all know what all the Jews thought about the Samaritans. So that was the despise. That was like uh, uh, Mississippi, okay? So like Samaria is Mississippi, and then down on the bottom is Judea, and that's where all the sophisticates, that's like, you know, New York and New England, right? And then there's Galilee, which is like Kentucky, I think. So you got Mississippi and Kentucky and Judea, except it's, it's upside down, Okay. And in Judea is Jerusalem. What was Galilee called? It was called Galilee of the Gentiles. What did Jews think of Gentiles? Well, you know in the New Testament, they're, they're constantly called the uncircumcised. And that's not a compliment, actually. They're filthy. They're dirty. They're goyim. 
And so if you lived in Galilee and you were a Jew, you were despised. Why? Well, because you constantly had to hang with goyim. You couldn't live in Galilee without having them as your neighbors and, you know, rubbing shoulders with them. And the whole point of being a Jew is to not rub shoulders with the Gentiles. Now ask yourself, if you were going to dignify a woman, one woman in the human race, one, why on earth would you ever choose a woman from Galilee? Why? You imagine choosing a woman from Mississippi. Why would you choose anybody from Mississippi? What did you say? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're a northerner, dude. You're a Yankee. Don't, don't get all upset about me. I mean, what? Should I say Louisiana? Would that make you feel better? Okay, all right. How many for Louisiana? Alabama. How many for Alabama? How many for Mississippi? Well... Mississippi has it. Sorry, Andy. We could say Utah. But Utah has to be Samaria, right? I think so. Yeah, I think Utah has to be Samaria. And then you go further into being disrespected because she's from Nazareth in Galilee, and Nazareth was a byword of being despised in Galilee. And so when Nathanael is told about Jesus, and he meets him, he says what? He says, can anything good come from Nazareth? And so I want you to enter into the utter humiliation of her background. She's not a Samaritan woman. But it's right there next to it, right? Why would God do that? None of us would ever do that. You know, if 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 our son came home from college or from a summer camp or a a missions trip, short-term missions trip, and said that he'd met a woman from Mississippi. We'd start talking about how, you know, you have to understand that, that differences in culture can be important in marriage. You know? And it wouldn't make any difference whether she was black or white. We'd start explaining that there are differences in culture that really matter. <laughs> you know? Especially if you're like me, a northerner, you know? <clears throat> And so here is Mary. How old was she? Well, men got married 18 to 21, and women got married 13, 12 to 14. 14 is at the upper end. Now, are you getting the picture? This is something that not one of us would wish. None of it for our daughters. Right? Greetings. 
favored one. And he's come from the presence of God. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts above your thoughts. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And the angel tells her, do not be afraid. And did you notice what the angel actually says about Mary's cousin? What the angel says to her is, uh, verse 36, And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called what? She who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Can you imagine the Twitter storm? Now, seriously, think. Take Scripture into your life. If anybody called a woman barren, and we would assume that it could only be an act of hostility, but that's because of our snobbery. We look back at people who have died before us and we think all of them were idiots. And all of them were, had no compassion. But you know, most likely, most of the time when she was referred to as barren, it was compassion. Barren Elizabeth. Can't you hear that as being compassion? You know, we think we're so sophisticated because we never talk about things. But for heaven's sakes... Do you ever not think about a woman's barrenness if you love her? It's it's like right there. It's always right there. And how is it unkind for the angel to say she who is called barren? Because in this case, it's it's like a party of all parties. She's pregnant, you know? The one that's called barren is pregnant. And so what we see is that this messenger from God is spreading joy all around. And he's giving it to those who are most humble. They're young, in the case of Mary. And so she is really confused. She's confounded. Did you notice what it says about her? It says, Greetings favored when the Lord is with you, but she was very perplexed at the statement and kept pondering. Very perplexed. Kept pondering. What has she not been told yet? Huh? She hasn't been told she's going to get pregnant yet. And she's somewhere between 12 and 14. And she's engaged to be married. Is this making all of you mothers very comfortable? (laughs) You know? What? I'd never heard that before. Tim, Pastor Bailey, shut up. Don't go giving them ideas. (laughs) Oh, we're so perverse today, you know? 
we think that we know what our girls need. And of course, what they need is exactly what the world told us our children need, which is, above all, to get a good education. I mean, you'd almost file a report with Child Protective Services against the angel. I mean, seriously, this is child abuse. Then the angel says to her, you're going to be pregnant. And she says, what? How can that be? Because why? Because I'm a virgin. She had not been intimate with the man she was engaged to. And so she knew that it was physically impossible. And then she's told what? Mary said to the angel, How can this be? Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. I mean, this stuff is so overwhelming and so powerful and so, 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 so much God. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child should be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. And then, you know, the, 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 the punchline. And do you remember what it is? Any of you grew up with parents saying this to you the way I did? Nothing. What? Nothing what? Come on, nothing what? Nothing is impossible with God. I want you right now to think about all the hopes that you have that are impossible. Okay, I want you to think about that. And then with each one, I want you to think nothing is impossible with God. Any of you remember the fall of the Iron Curtain? Remember that? None of you who are younger have any idea how mind-boggling that was. None. more of us remember that. It was impossible. The Pentagon. I can remember when I um, humbled myself before God. And immediately God had me open my Bible and read in Psalms, and it was that clear, read this. So I read it, and it said, and look at your wife. You know, she's like, a, she's like a, uh, an olive tree, and look at all the little children. And I just thought to myself, there is absolutely no way I could ever have a happy wife and a bunch of children. I mean, literally, I sat there, in Huntington Beach, thinking, 
this is impossible with God because I had, I had just, I'd ruined everything. And yet it was absolutely clear to me that God was giving that specific text to me as a promise to me. Any of you had this happen to you? Raise your hand if you have. God does speak to us. Okay, I'm not arguing for any competition with Scripture. La-di-da. But God does, and many of us have had him do that. And now I brag to people, I got tons of grandchildren. And do I think that that's because of superior genetics? No. I think the genetics really are pretty easy in most cases. And so do I think it's because of superior character? No. (laughs) I just see it as direct, absolute direct power of God. God answering and giving us good gifts that we don't deserve. And so here's Mary. And the good gift she doesn't deserve is losing her husband. Because he's, it says that being a righteous man, he, he decided to put her away privately. Well, of course he would. She's pregnant. Her belly starts to swell. What, what conclusion is he supposed to come to? Of course he's going to. He loves her, and he's a righteous man. So he decides to cover her humiliation and her sin by being quiet about it. Don't you love Joseph because of that? I mean, honestly. You know, you got to love Joseph for that. And just because Mary doesn't have a degree doesn't mean she's stupid. And she knows what's going to happen when he sees her belly swell. And this is in the moment. And she has an angel standing in front of her. Are you with me? And she's already completely perplexed. And then comes the pregnancy. And how could that be? I'm a virgin. The power of God will come over you. So what is your response at that moment? Come on. Enter into the text. Isn't this what Brandon's always telling us? When you read, enter the text. So you're that woman. You're 14, 13, 12. You're from a despised part of the country, from a despised city in that despised part of the country. You're engaged to be married, but an engagement that if it's broken is called a divorce. That's how intense it was. And you love Joseph. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, oh, no, we have no reason to believe she loved Joseph. Because that's the way moderns think about the ancients. We think that all the ancient men grabbed their women by the hair and drug them in the cave to have their way with them. But, you know, my experience is that most of the men I know actually love their mothers and their sisters and their daughters. (laughs) And I have faith that actually people 2,000 years ago loved their mothers and their sisters and their daughters. And so I think whoever Mary's father was actually knew that Mary loved Joseph. Because generally, what's love got to do with it? A lot! 
I think Mary loved Joseph, and I think Joseph loved Mary. I think Joseph's parents loved Mary. And I think Mary's parents loved Joseph. And then you go and spoil it all by saying something stupid like you're pregnant. And let's all be honest and say that Planned Parenthood's solution to that is to murder the little child. This is the very definition of an unwanted pregnancy. This is the very definition of an unplanned pregnancy. (laughs) Every single time you go through Christmas, you should think to yourself that today, Mary would be ground zero for all the supposedly good intentions of the Democratic Party. You remember President Obama saying that if one of his daughters got pregnant, he, he wouldn't want her life ruined. Do you remember that? Do you think Mary's father wanted Mary's life ruined? You know, if there's one thing I've heard my whole life about my generation and your generations, it is that we have finally arrived at a point where we treat women with dignity. That's the conceit of the world today that women have finally risen to the level that they're treated with respect. And don't forget that ground zero of the respect women are treated with in the Western world today is the slaughter of the child that is in their womb. And again and again, her education, her well-being, her plans, her, her money, all kinds of things are set in opposition to her womb. And her womb is supposed to die for the fulfillment of all these things. And I don't want to dignify it by calling it a lie. This this untruth is so massive that that the information minister under Hitler couldn't come up with it. You know, the big lie dude. It is interesting that the Roman Catholic Church makes the mistake of Mariolatry. It makes the mistake of saying that instead of Mary receiving grace, she dispenses grace. It turns her into the mediatrix, all right? But I'm telling you, Mary is quite the woman. And she has quite the tender treatment from God. Do you remember what the angel says to her? The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, 
Let me ask something of uh, you men here today. Um, <clears throat> it sounds straight to ask it, but do you like Mary? Do you like Mary? Do you love Mary? Do you find Mary attractive? Do you like her femininity? Do you like her responsiveness? Do you like her meekness? Do you like her humility? And you know, the truth is, many of you are saying yes, but you really don't like it. And you know how I know this? Because you like to watch movies that have women beating up men. And let me tell you something, no man is a hypocrite in his pleasures. You can't watch movies with women whooping men and like Mary. Ah, what do you say? Am I Remember, no man is a hypocrite in his pleasures. Now, it is true that I have not been able to find one movie that doesn't have that as the theme today. <laughs> and so you might say, well, I like everything but that. And I'll say, okay, okay, you're like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But do you realize that everything we're doing to women today, every single thing is militated to make them as different from Mary as you could possibly make them? Is this true in the church? This is true in Reformed churches. This is true in your family. I remember wanting so much to have Michael not get married so she could whoop up everybody else at IU. I was completely unloving and completely aspirational when it came to the intelligence of my daughter, Michael. I wanted Michael to show the world who Tim Bailey was. Until one day, Michael looked at me with this pathetic look on her face, and she said, but Daddy, we're only trying to do what you taught us to do. And then I thought, oh, that's interesting. So apparently, we have some inconsistency in, in, in somebody. Somebody's inconsistent. See, Presbyterians are allowed to admit it. <laughs> oh my goodness oh. so those are my questions for men I don't see any way for us to love Mary without fighting against the destruction of femininity today I just don't see it I think we have to fight against the destruction of femininity and I think we have to honor femininity. We, we cannot give in on this, men. And it's not because it protects our perquisites. That's what everybody will tell you. Everybody will say that you're defending women because you're a chauvinist. And it's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because you love Mary. And you love Mary because God approved of Mary, and God approves of women with a gentle and quiet spirit. Okay? And so if you love Mary, then you have to defend women. And you say, well, I'll defend a woman if I ever see a man lay a hand on a woman. 
And I say, oh, big deal. Honestly, what are the chances of you seeing a man lay a hand on a woman? You, you'll hear about it, you know. Yeah, the church often has to defend women that men lay hands on. Yep, that's part of my job description. Yeah, you'll hear about it. But what about when a man lays his mouth on a woman? What about when a man lays his mouth on femininity? What about when a man trashes womanhood? You can love your wife who's, who's given you how many children now? Yeah. How many? Nine. Nine. Okay, men, are you all with me? Your wife has given you children and you won't open your mouth to defend her femininity. And you say, well, nobody says anything about my wife's femininity. And I say, oh, so femininity is not of a fabric. They can attack femininity in general just as long as they don't say anything about your wife. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing, but at the high school I grew up in, about a quarter black, quarter Latino, a quarter greaser, and a quarter raw. And if you don't know, I was raw. Remember those words? Raw were the, the no grease in the hair whiteies. And you know, it really didn't matter whether you used the name on the basketball court. All you had to do was say, mother. My best friend Mitch in high school once did that. And the next thing he knew, he had been punched as hard as a man could be punched from behind in his back by a huge man. And he was on the floor. No, 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 no. You don't talk about mother. No. Okay? So men, have I made my point? If you love Mary, and if you love God's use of Mary, and if you love Mary's humility, then you need to begin to defend women. You need to begin to stand up for them and honor them for who God made them to be. And if you don't do that, you're a pathetic Christian, okay? <laughs> okay, now let's move on to you women. <laughs> Now let's move on to you women. Hey, here's the deal. Whether you're barren or fertile, whether you're old or young, I can speak for all the men here and tell you we love you. And we love you because you're women. We love your womanhood. Is that a better way of putting it? We love your hair. We love everything about you. Because we love Mary. And Mary was a woman. And don't you dare tell me to stop patronizing you. That's such a pathetic thing. Where 
you can't defend women because it's viewed as what? Mansplaining? You know, patronization? There's all kinds of perverted ways that wicked people in this world will, will trash righteousness. And if you worry about what accusations can be made about you because you allow men to hold the door for you, you're a pathetic woman. Look for opportunities for men, the men of your life, your children, your husband, your father. Look for opportunities for them to show you their affection and love for you. Don't be afraid. She noticed that's what the angel said to her. Don't be afraid. Boy, it's scary today to be a woman, isn't it? It, it seems like whatever you do is wrong. That's how Mary felt. I'm going to get pregnant? <laughs> but Mary, in the end, she did a much better job than Zacharias. Did you notice that? At the very end, she says, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Ha! Try that one. So submissive. She wasn't pregnant yet. Notice it's future tense. You will be pregnant. But she was obviously barefoot. Listen. I've been young and I've been old. And the only place on God's green earth that women have ever been treated with respect is the church of Jesus Christ. And every time you feel like apologizing for being one of the colonizers, you remember, I heard recently, and I don't remember where I heard it, but it was probably from one of you, who was working with a Navajo woman. And they were asking her about her attitude towards Europeans coming to America. And she said, I wouldn't be a Christian if that hadn't happened. It wasn't Hindus who ended child prostitution in India. It has always been God's people who love women. And because we love women, we say no to the abortion of the Son of God. And it was a problem pregnancy. And Mary said, I'm, I'm your slave. You do what you've, do what, do what you've said. And for that, all generations will call her what? Blessed, blessed Mary. Blessed Mary. Don't be afraid. Give us your womanhood. Give us your Mary, your inner Mary. And by the way, those of you that are pregnant, may I make us, may I be so, so, what, chutzpush, as to make a recommendation about a name? 
I, th I think that Mary's a good name. Right? Don't you think it's a good name? Okay. Don't be afraid. Let's pray. Our Father, we recognize we live in an evil day, and we pray that you will keep us from living aspirationally through our daughters. Father, we pray that our daughters will be so sophisticated and intelligent and strong-willed that when you call them, they say, I am your slave. We pray, Father, that you will give us many, many children. We pray that you will protect our wives and mothers and sisters and daughters. And we pray that this church may be filled with many who have been instructed in godliness and theology and doctrine and biblical truth such that they are capable of raising the next generation of the church of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.